Hello, and welcome to Mastering MHA. This is Samantha, your host and the founder of Mastering MHA. If you didn't know, Mastering MHA is a multimedia platform that spans Instagram, a blog, and now its very own podcast. On each of these platforms, I'll be sharing tips and tricks that I learned through internships, while in grad school, and now on my journey as an administrative fellow. I hope that in listening, you'll take away pieces of information and feel more excited and prepared for the world of healthcare administration and all that it has to offer. On today's episode, I'm interviewing one of my peers from graduate school, Megan Koffenbarger, who was also an administrative fellow at an FQHC. Today, we'll be chatting all about the process of applying to fellowships, what we learned from it, and give you some tea on what we would do differently. So with that, let's jump on in and don't forget to comment and leave a review. Hi, everybody. Welcome to today's podcast. Um, I am here with a very special guest, Megan Koffenbarger. So fun fact, Megan and I actually went to grad school together. We both went to the University of Illinois at Chicago for our MHA or Master's in Healthcare Administration degrees. So I'm really excited to have Megan on to share a little bit about her fellowship application process and to hear um, about what she learned during the application and what she didn't expect. So with that, Megan, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, thanks, Sam. I'm really excited to be here, and thank you for asking me to be on your podcast. So again, my name is Megan Koffenberger, and I met Sam through the UIC MHA program. So before that, I actually went to the University of Kentucky for undergrad, so go Cats. And there I actually started out as a pre-med biology student, but, you know, going through chemistry and biology, I really didn't see that as being um, really my niche in a career path that I wanted to take. So I did a lot of self-reflecting and I ended up going a different route. So I changed my major into health society and populations. So that was a mix of social sciences and public health. So really through that, I found out that I really wanted to be in the business side of medicine. So I still loved medicine, still wanted to help people, but I really wanted to do that from a leadership perspective instead of a clinical perspective. So with that, I decided to pursue a master's in health administration. And then from there, I ended up pursuing a fellowship and that Um, got me to where I am today. So I'm a fellow at Community Health Center, which is an FQHC primary care system in Connecticut. So I'm uh, very far away from home, but I've been here about three months so far, and it's been really great. That's awesome. And um, I think it's really interesting to hear kind of your, your major change, because that's definitely something I looking back, wish I had considered. I think a lot of people in our majors or um, in the pre-med kind of realm often face similar challenges or similar thoughts. And I think it's awesome that so many people now are thinking about how can I make this more of a unique individual kind of process in terms of learning and in terms of figuring out what I want to do. And um, there's a lot of different changes I know, like with the medical schools and PA schools and even with fellowships that are happening. And probably that's probably because of the pandemic, but it's really great to hear how you 
um, were able to pivot and how you got to where you are today. So I guess as a kind of first question, um, I want to know more about where you do your fellowship. I think you're in a really unique position because your fellowship is at an FQHC, which is um, a federally qualified health center. And that's definitely um, a little different from a academic medical center where I am at, like at Emory. So if you can you just tell us a little bit more about where you work and kind of the population that they serve? I think that would be great. Sure. So I mentioned I'm at an FQHC. So in MHA, I really had to learn what that meant. <laughs> um, and now I'm, you know, working at one. So that stands for a federally qualified health center. So our health center, we get a special reimbursement rate from Medicaid, so from the government, and that really incentivizes us to focus on that medically vulnerable population. So most of our patients are on Medicaid and then also um, underinsured or uninsured. So we really see a wide range and a very diverse population in Connecticut and actually our primary care centers are located all throughout the state. So during my first two years or two weeks, it felt like years, two, two weeks of my fellowship, I actually traveled to different centers throughout the state and I really got to see the population that we serve. So um, our population is really diverse um, culturally and then also, you know, the languages they speak and what their their certain health goals are as well and what conditions they are dealing with. So it's been a great experience, you know, coming from working as an intern in a very large health system and a hospital system in Illinois, going to a different state and serving a different population. So um, it's been a really great learning experience. And I would definitely advise people, you know, starting out the fellowship application experience, really looking at how can I become, you know, a more well-rounded leader. So looking at experience that you, you know, maybe are is out of your comfort zone like I did, but I think, you know, working in a different environment has really made me a more well-rounded um, healthcare leader. So, yeah, I think uh, that's a really great point because, I know we shared this when we were both applying for the fellowship last year around this time. We both had this big question of what is the work that I want to be doing during a fellowship? And I think this is a really common question you tend to get asked during the interview process is something along the lines of what do you want to be doing or what do you see yourself doing in our organization? And what you just talked about in terms of um doing the research during the interview process and after uh, to figure out, you know, who are they serving? How are they doing it? And then thinking of ideas of, you know, what would I bring to the table that would change that perspective a little bit or change that methodology a little bit. And I think you um, definitely had some great experiences with that during our master's program and probably your undergrad experience too. So I'm curious if maybe you could share a little bit about that and how your knowledge of an FQHC has changed over time or maybe has helped you um, in your current position. 
Sure. So I will kind of travel back to undergrad to start out with. So I actually did a lot of work with the Ronald McDonald House during my undergrad. So I was an intern with them. I worked in a leadership position um, with a club that specifically supported the Ronald McDonald House. So I really have that volunteer spirit in me. And that's something that I really wanted to you know, not lose track of within the fellowship process. So really, you know, always thinking about the patients we serve and always, you know, doing our best to serve them. So that's why um, during my MHA degree, I, along with Sam, we worked um, in the Institute for Healthcare Improvement and specifically in a small um, community clinic on what was it, the west side of Chicago. That was an FQHC as well. So that was my first, you know, toe in the water in that space and just seeing the patients that they serve now and really helping the people who need the most help um, really, you know, made me fall in love with that side of medicine. So, you know, helping those who, who really need it. And I feel like I, that core value of an FQHC follows through, you know, all of my time dealing with and working with FQHCs. But I think like the business side of it and the, you know, government partnership side of it, I've really dove really deep into um, in my fellowship. So that has made more sense to me, you know, um, how the government supports us in supporting that population. So that has definitely changed. That's really great insight. And I know um, kind of being involved with Medicaid and Medicare and different aspects is always something interesting because ever since the Affordable Care Act, I think there's always something that regardless of whatever project you're working on will tie back to that. So I think you're in a really great position and a unique one that you have that experience right now in your fellowship, but that also, you know, in the future when you maybe move to a different site or to a different field, who knows, right? Um, That you'll be able to say, you know, well, not only is it about, you know, caring for people physically and mentally in terms of providing medical care, but it's also about, you know, the support that you just talked about and doing that from a government perspective or a public health perspective is all things that need to be kind of intertwined to make sure that we're really getting the best care possible. So Um, That's awesome. I guess kind of backing it up in terms of questions, you know, when you think about your fellowship application process, what kind of sparked you to do a fellowship? I think earlier you mentioned that, um, you know, you really fell in love with a different side of healthcare. And I'm curious if that was kind of your inspiration or if it was something else that pushed you towards a fellowship as to a more traditional kind of job path. So I first learned about fellowships in my first year in the MHA program. Um, We had someone come in who was a fellow previously, and he talked about his experience and his position that he was in at that time as well, and how a fellowship really sparked his run up the ladder, I guess, if you could say, in healthcare. So I really thought that fellowships from that point was... A path that I wanted to take. Um, I I just wanted options, really. And I think a fellowship gives you options from 
the sphere of, you know, career paths you could take, but also the trajectory of your actual career and, you know, moving up quickly in your career. So I, I don't know if I really want to be a CEO in the future, but I wanted the option to, um, you know, have that experience to really launch my career in that way. So that's why I wanted to do a fellowship from, you know, a career trajectory perspective. And then also, I think going straight from undergrad to grad school, I did, you know, my internships and I did my volunteering experience, but I really thought I wanted, you know, maybe one to two years more in in a learning environment, um, working in healthcare. And also with this fellowship, I went from interning at a hospital to going into the primary care space. So I think I just wanted to become, as I said, like more well-rounded and get a lot more experience where not that I think I would, you know, fail or make mistakes, but having that support where, you know, that's okay because you're still, you know, learning. And that's a really great point. I think, um, it was a couple of podcasts ago, I mentioned that as a reason why I'm really excited to be in the fellowship program. And I think a lot of people, when you're applying, you don't get a full grasp of what it means to be sitting with, you know, directors and leaders every single day, but then also still being a student. I think it just, it's a really weird thing to conceptualize. And um, I know for me personally, since starting the fellowship, something that I've kind of had this moment of during meetings or during, um, you know, one-on-one conversations is this moment of, whoa, this is really weird because I'm sitting with a bunch of people that are really nice and really friendly and really down to earth. And then, you know, at the same time, you're thinking, oh my gosh, like these people are running the hospital or running, you know, a clinic. And who am I to just be sitting here with them, like having a casual conversation? It's a very weird dynamic, but um, it's definitely a good point that you brought up in terms of what a fellowship can offer you and why somebody might be interested in one. Um, I guess this is something I don't really know is, you know, maybe you could talk about your, I guess, immediate connections within the organization, if you feel comfortable, just in terms of like, who are you working with on a day-to-day basis? Sure. So my fellowship is rotational. So I have every three months, I rotate into a different department. So right now I'm in operations and I actually, my preceptor, you could say in the fellowship is the chief operating officer. So she is really my boss and my go-to person. I have one-on-one meetings with her once a week. So that was my first contact and my, my go-to person, um, throughout the fellowship. So within the operations department, I work with the vice president of practice administration. So she really is in charge of all of the clinics um, and, you know, the clinicians and the practitioners um, and the physicians within all of the clinics. And then I also work with um, the director of telehealth regularly. And then also, um, managers within each of the clinics. So I work, you know, from all the way from 
the C-suite all the way, you know, down to the actual, um, you know, people running the clinics each and every day. So that has been great to see that span of healthcare leadership and seeing all of the different options that I might have, you know, once I finish my fellowship. And then, so my next rotation is IT, facilities and finance. So that is all within three months, I'll be working with those leaders. So that'll be pretty interesting, but I'm excited. And then um, after that, I have human resources. And then finally, I'm going to finish in um, what is called our Weitzman Institute. So that is really our research arm of our organization. So I'll be working with um, a lot of researchers there, a lot of um, a lot of primary investigators on those projects. So that'll be a really different experience than what I'm doing now. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, that sounds really, really cool. I think um, it's interesting hearing you talk about your rotational kind of experience because I'm in a fellowship where it's not rotational. It's just, it's more, I guess, project-based. So I have one direct report and then we work together to figure out different projects that I'm going to be working on. And they also help connect me to different individuals within the system who can, you know, put me on different projects as well for different types of exposure. And I think it's um, an interesting thing when you're thinking about applying to fellowships, um, whether or not you want to do rotations or project-based. And again, this is something that I'll be completely honest in saying I had zero idea what the difference really was. I think um, hearing it the way you just explained it is actually really great because it's really easy to conceptualize and to grasp in terms of what does rotations look like. And of course, those vary from organization to organization, similar to how different projects will vary from organization to organization, or even just within whatever operating unit you're in. But um, I guess this kind of brings us back to the original like topic of the, the podcast, which is, you know, when we think about our fellowship experiences, um, you know, what was your application process like, right? So now that we've given people an idea of where you are at and what you're doing, um, maybe we can kind of time travel back to last year um, around this time. I know both of us were starting to apply for for fellowships. So I guess my first question, and we can do it like a series of questions, <laughs> will be um, kind of you know, where, where were you in the process? I guess, um, I know a lot of people are, some people start really early in terms of getting all their application materials. And then some people like myself, you know, around August were just figuring out that they wanted to do a fellowship. So where were, where were you at? Sure. So I had to actually literally travel back in my calendar to see where I was (laughs) this time last year. But so During the month of August, I saw that I was um, once or twice a week, I either had a fellowship webinar that I attended. So it's just um, each fellowship or a lot of fellowships put on their website that um, they're going to have a webinar where you can just join. It's not, I mean, you can type in questions into the Zoom and they'll answer it, but it's not really like a back-to-back or one-on-one conversation that you have. So I would listen to a lot of those. Um, And then I also was having one-on-one meetings with current fellows. So after those webinars, I would um, send some fellows emails just to see if I could 
have maybe 20 or 30 minutes of their time just to talk on a one-to-one basis to one, learn more about the fellowship, but also to really get my name out there so that when I do submit that application, they'll recognize my name, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, so my first fellowship application was due pretty early and it was due on um, around September 3rd. So I really had a lot of my, you know, I had my resume done, my personal statement, my cover letter, and I was um, finalizing getting my letters of recommendation. So I really had to, you know, get all of those done pretty quickly. So um, that was really where I was around this time. So it was, you know, half trying to figure out, you know, after this first this first application was due what else I wanted to apply for, but also gathering all of the, you know, application documents together to get submitted for that first application also. Yeah, that's actually really funny because as you were just sharing that, I I completely forgot about the aspect of networking. <laughs> like when I when I think about last year this time, as I said earlier, my main focus was really nailing down that personal statement. And for me, the resume and cover letter came pretty quickly because Mm -hmm. it was something I already had for my master's program. And in in the two years, it really didn't change that much. Like maybe I added, you know, a a graduate assistant position or some volunteer work, but outside of that, I mean, the framework was pretty much the same. So for me, I was mostly concerned about the personal statements, but hearing you just share that, you know, I did a lot of one-on-one or webinars, I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, I did those too. So (laughs) um, I guess a question is, you know, did you find webinars really helpful? Um, For me, I know I went to some and was like, okay, this is great because they mentioned things that they didn't cover on the website. But then for some of them, I just felt like it was kind of this PowerPoint that I probably could have read somewhere online. So I don't know if you have any insight onto that or any memories. <laughs> no, I would have to agree. I think for the webinars, um, just seeing how the fellows interacted with each other was nice to see. And then also how they carry themselves and how, you know, what words they use and things <laughs> like that that you you wouldn't find just from, you know, if that PowerPoint was sent to you. So I thought that was helpful. Um, but it was more of, okay, some of the webinars that I attended, I couldn't see myself working with those, mm-hmm. um, those people. So I, I didn't see my personality meshing mm-hmm. with theirs. So it was more of those kind of, you know, conclusions that I got more than, oh my goodness, I need to apply for this one right now. <laughs> you know, so it was more of the, the things that I couldn't find on their website that were helpful. That's a really great tip too, I think. Um, And that's definitely probably something you learned more so during the process as opposed to walking into the process with. I think what you just mentioned about the words that people would use, I remember um, if somebody used a really great descriptive word or a word to talk about their experiences, I would jot it down and I would make a mental note to save it for my own interviews because I just figured Mm -hmm. if that's the language that, you know, people are using when they're in the position, then surely it's something that maybe I could take note or maybe use in the future. And um, I think it's interesting because there are so many people that during application season kind of, I mean, I don't want this to sound bad, but like kind of change 
you know, like the way they talk or the way that they act. And I think part of that is like the desire to fit in with an organization. Um, like I said, you know, I definitely added a bunch of words to my vocab during, <laughs> during fellowship season, but I'm curious if you noticed anything else that you maybe picked up upon or kind of turned on, if you will, during the application season that you may not have done otherwise? So I would say actually the opposite of that. I really struggled with, you know, turning on certain parts of my personality, I guess, for just an interview. Um, And I felt Mm -hmm. like, you know, especially applying during COVID and not being able to, you know, travel to the different locations maybe that I wanted to apply to, or even during the um, quote unquote on-site interviews, most of them weren't on-site. So it was hard for me to really, you know, picture myself working at different places. So it was, it took me some time to, you know, put together the why for each of the locations Mm -hmm. Um, just because you know looking at a website and then picturing myself working there it's very hard to make that connection or at least it was for me and I think um, that was really one of the reasons why the time between my first application um, to the time that I accepted my position here was so long I wrote down that Mm -hmm. my first application was due around September 3rd and I accepted my position on February 25th. So it was a very long time and I think going through those interviews I think it's good to apply to you know maybe 10 to 12 fellowships just Mm -hmm. to really even get that experience with interviewing. I know it took me a little while to feel comfortable and really understand that why for each place. So that's something that I would recommend. Yeah, that's um, really interesting to hear. I think maybe as a clarification, I should say when I talk about turning on like parts of your personality, I think something I learned during the fellowship process was there is a huge difference between turning on what you think an organization will want versus just pulling out more of your yourself right in your course so like Mm -hmm. an example I would give is you know when I was interviewing for a couple of different sites I knew they were more um, community-based and so for me then what I would kind of quote quote turn on was you know where have I felt like community needed me most or where I needed community most and then also you know how can I relate to the community they serve or how do I see different experiences that I've had in the past with community work tying into the work that they're doing right and so it's not so much about oh my gosh I love community work and I'm a community service worker and all that stuff I mean don't get me wrong it's great but if that wasn't who I was right like I'm not going to turn that on just because I know that they might be more compelled to, you know, potentially take me as a candidate um, because of that. So I think it's great to hear you say that, you know, that's not something that comes naturally to everybody. Right. And it's okay to not, Mm -hmm. not want to, or not be able to turn on things right away because it's, it is hard to find a balance. And sometimes finding the balance is just deciding whether or not you feel comfortable doing that. So I, I love that you brought that up. And I think um, it's a really great reminder of, you know, to those people who 
struggle a bit more with, you know, maybe being more introverted than extroverted. Um, It's definitely something to keep in mind. It's like, you know, you're not alone for one. And also it's something that everybody is kind of thinking about whether they are thinking about it the same way that you are or not. Okay. So I guess another question kind of building off of that, you talked about the length of when you first applied versus when you accepted. So kind of walk, walk us through that process and give us your application timeline, I guess, because I know I've definitely done that on the podcast and um, ours are a little bit different. So I'd love for you to be able to share that if you, if you're okay with that. Mm -hmm. So I know on the fly, the dates are not going to be accurate, (laughs) but um, (laughs) I don't need a play by play. It's okay. (laughs) So I would say that I applied, I ended up applying for, I would say maybe 15 or more fellowships really and with fellowships there are different waves of applications Mm -hmm. so the first wave really are the early birds I like to call it (laughs) so that was my you know September 3rd deadline and those are really the usually the most competitive I would say fellowships they really want to get the best of the best super early on Um, so those were ones that were really at, you know, the tip top of my list that I wanted to put my name in, um, but maybe were a little bit outside of, you know, where my zone of fellowships are. Um, And then you have the NAFCAS, you have the NAFCAS um, zone, and that phase, those were due October 1st. Mm -hmm. So I submitted quite a few of those because those, um, since it's a common application, you can submit one personal statement, um, one resume, and then you have some fellowships that have, you know, short answer or essays that they ask particularly for their fellowship. So those were a lot faster to submit. Yeah. (laughs) And they're easy to click, you know, Um, obviously you have to pay for them, but it's a good way to one, get, you know, the interview experience and then also to, you know, get your name out there Mm -hmm. at a lot of different places. So I went through and then I um, interviewed for a lot of those. And then I ended up doing, there's a second wave of NAFCAS as well. I don't remember particularly when those are due, but it's a smaller amount of fellowships there. Um, But I ended up doing that as well. And then there were a few that were really late. I remember ACHE, they actually um, asked me for an interview after I had accepted. Oh. So I think with COVID, a lot of the application deadlines, um, they got a little bit altered. Um, But there's definitely, you know, a lot of options for those people who may not, you know, get an offer at the same time as their peers, which was my case. Um, But it was, yeah, it was an exhausting process, but it was definitely worth it. And I feel like even if I didn't end up you know, getting an offer, I would have been a better person going through that that experience. Um, 
I've learned a lot about myself and a lot about my skills and, you know, where I see myself in those five years that everyone asks about. So it was definitely worth it in the end. That's good. I'm I'm glad to hear that. And I love how positive you are about the whole process because I mean, you and I, I think became really close. I would say our second year of the program, we did um, a case competition. And I think that short four day weekend was a very, very great experience to make a great friend. So I would say, you know, during that process, I learned a lot about my own personal resilience, but I think it also made me recognize how strong of an individual you were in terms of not only the program, but then also, you know, what you had going out on outside of it and how you found a balance between work and, and life. And I think it's interesting to hear you talk about your kind of memories down um, the fellowship process, because I think a lot of those same characteristics that I attribute um, to you when I think of you came out during that fellowship process. And I remember telling you, um, well, I remember us texting each other being like, oh, like I have an interview. Oh, do you have one? (laughs) Kind of, I wouldn't say tiptoeing around it, but just definitely being like cautiously curious, if Mm -hmm. I think is the best way to put it, um, just to check in on each other. And I would also remember that you know, around December when it was really getting into that second wave of um, fellowship applications. I remember we had a lot of conversations about, you know, how is this like experience from one interview to another or from one organization to another making you a better, stronger candidate? Um, And so I think it's really great to hear you touch on that and to share that kind of positive note because it's it was definitely difficult, I think, um, to, to have experienced, but I'm glad that you, you feel that kind of ownership and pride over that experience. It's, it's awesome to hear as your friend. So, um, I guess, you know, one other thing I wanted to ask about the actual application process is as places were kind of putting interviews out, um, what were some of the thoughts that you had in terms of prioritization? So you mentioned, when you were initially applying the early bird kind of schools you had as your, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I guess, top tier kind of places. And then, um, you know, as you went through interviews, did you find that some of that changed or did you find that um, maybe other places kind of rose to the top or, or, or none of that? (laughs) I think at the start of, you know, me getting asked for interviews, I didn't really have opinions my only opinion was awesome. I got an interview, (laughs) Um, but going down the line, um, I think as I interviewed, you know, the second and third time for one fellowship, meeting different people really helped and um, getting different perspectives on the same organization was great to hear. And I, I remember I did have a tough choice. I had two quote unquote, on-site interviews. So your last interview um, for two organizations for the same exact day. Mm -hmm. So I had a super tough decision on, you know, going with a fellowship at a place that I had a lot of history with, um, Mm -hmm. but they only took one to two fellows or going with 
interviewing at a fellowship that, you know, I thought I would really connect with and do well at, um, but really didn't have any experience, you know, even visiting there. So they, I really, you know, took an analytical perspective to make that choice. Um, So I went with the fellowship that took more fellows, um, Mm -hmm. really playing a numbers game. And I think that was um, a good decision for me. But I wouldn't say that, you know, playing the numbers is always the best choice. I would say, you know, going with your gut is usually the best choice. Um, so that was something that, you know, obviously I made the decision. I had to, you know, live with it and be the best that I could at the interview that I chose. Um, so that was a really great experience for me to go through and, you know, have to go through and learn from. But you will have a lot of hard decisions and, you know, you'll have to make them in a very short amount of time, maybe, you know, 24 hours. I know you had some of those. Yeah. So, um Hopefully at that point, though, that you get those hard decisions, you'll know enough about what you're looking for and know enough about yourself in the process to know what to do. But I would say really lean on your peers and have a fellowship buddy. You were my fellowship buddy, (laughs) you know, to talk things to talk things out with. Um, That was really helpful for me. And just I would say, honestly, go with your gut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really interesting that you mentioned that because um, the way you phrased the whole idea of the numbers game is something that I think, quite honestly, I didn't really consider. It wasn't something that crossed my mind because to me, I felt like um, if I get an interview, like I've already kind of beat out a certain amount of numbers, right? And it's kind of this weird, like, visual I guess I had in my head was almost like Hunger Games <laughs> it makes it sound so dramatic but but in some ways it kind of is like everybody's put in the same pool right you all put in the application and since everybody's turning in the same materials really everybody has the same um not necessarily skill set but same kind of foundational evaluation and um you know, one by one, like you said, as you get, uh, you know, a phone interview or a, was it a phone interview? And then something else like a, a phone, maybe an it was usually phone video and then like on-site on-site video. But our on-site and I guess video were similar because of COVID. We just mm-hmm. did everything remotely, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, as you, you kind of went through from phone interview to video to on-site you kind of knew that the numbers were dwindling automatically. So for me, it wasn't so much of like a, how many people do I have to beat out or how many people am I competing against or how many people are they taking? But hearing you talk about that, you know, I'm only one of many people that apply. So of course, hearing a different perspective is fantastic. And I mean, that's why I wanted to bring you on because I think when I talk about my fellowship experience, it's very one-sided. So hopefully other people that are listening will will get some insight from that because I think depending on you know what type of person you are or what type of strategist you are um, those types of things will come differently to you so that's really great to hear um I guess I don't know what else do you want to share about fellowship what's something maybe that you you 
like had a funny moment or a funny memory looking back, if any? Oh, funny moment. <laughs> I, I don't think any, any of it was funny. <laughs> Maybe the opposite of funny, right? Yeah, it, it was really stressful. I mean, we were texting just before like recording this and we were saying that quite honestly, when you look back at your fellowship application process, it is such a big blur. It's like <laughs> you're blacking out during the whole thing, but you also are like forcing yourself to get through it. <laughs> well, I think one thing that is I laugh at looking back, I did um, the NASI case competition right as fellowship applications started. So that was a funny oh, yeah. decision for me to make on my part to, to not only, you know, do the case comp, but to also be the, the leader of our team. So um, that's maybe not something that I would recommend, but I definitely <laughs> laugh at it <laughs> looking back. Yeah, that, um, again, something I had totally forgotten. I think, I think mine, if I were to share a funny moment, would just honestly be... Like, I think it was just funny thinking about how stressed I was, but I didn't realize it. Like, when I was applying for fellowships, like, right before the October 1st deadline. So, for me, that was the majority, like, definitely 75, 80% of my applications were due on that day. Mm-hmm. And I was so stressed. I was writing an application for one of my sites. I don't know if I've ever told you this. You'll have to tell me if I did. (laughs) But I was writing uh, a personal statement and I had edited it before and thought I was good with it, thought I was just going to submit it easy peasy. But reading it like on the day before, I was just like, I don't know, this doesn't seem like me. I want to change it. And that's a moment where I went with my gut, like you were saying earlier. And going with my gut really stressed me out because I was sitting there writing and rewriting and rewriting and the time was just ticking down. And I obviously knew I had to make sure everything was in PDF form and uploaded. I, I had a complete breakdown. My sister was sitting at the dining room table with me because she was just doing homework or whatever. And I was writing this and reading it out loud And then all of a sudden I just started like crying, like while reading it. (laughs) If you can just picture like what that looked like, everybody was like, oh my God, what's wrong? And I was like, I don't have time to talk. I just need to finish this essay. (laughs) And ironically, I think the funniest part of that whole thing was that I was writing about how um, being amongst like all the nature that the site was around would be so calming and like here I was like crying while writing about it so writing about trees yeah. <laughs> I was writing about trees and how I think the question that they asked was like um you know what are you going to do outside of work to help your work go further or something so I was thinking that you know when you have time to disconnect from your work it can honest it can help you um get a new perspective or just a fresh take on your own work from you know a weekend or a day-to-day but yeah I uh, was definitely just way too stressed to be writing about that and now that I thought about that that's probably my funniest moment from applications but like you said in the moment it wasn't very funny it was just very very stressful and yeah I'm glad that's behind us so (laughs) 
Um, well, I know we're coming up at like kind of the 45 mark, which is crazy because <laughs> this doesn't seem that long. But I guess as a kind of concluding thought, um, you know, maybe what's some advice you would give to people applying? Sure. I think first, like I said before, is really lean on your peers and your friends in this process. I know at the start of the application process, I really tried to lean on my parents and you would first have to explain like what a fellowship is and then you would have to go in to say, you know, what Mm -hmm. part of the application process you're in. So it was just a lot of me explaining instead of really, you know, getting the support I needed right in that moment instead of explaining. So Mm -hmm. I think, you know, having a fellowship buddy, like I said, you and I were um, really helps, you know, obviously you're going through the same process, but also in different ways. So I think having that back and forth with someone who knows what you're dealing with was really really helpful. And then I would also say, don't forget about self-care and things like that during this process. Um, I think that was something that really you and I struggled with during this time. It was all fellowships all the time. And then if we weren't doing fellowships, it was schoolwork and homework. So I think taking breaks is really helpful, going on walks and things like that, that people say you should do, but you don't always do. Um, so that that is really helpful. And then also trying to, I mean, this is easier to say than do, but really figure out why you're going down this path and why you want to do a fellowship. And then also you know, what are your deal breakers and what are your things that, you know, must haves for a fellowship. So I thought my deal breaker was location. I was originally looking in the South, but I really found out that my, you know, my must haves were the mission aligning with my values and, you know, things more in that realm than actual physical location of the site. So I think going through that self-reflection is super helpful and that will naturally come as you go through the application process. But I think keeping that in mind and, you know, if you don't apply to a site that your friends do, that's okay because everyone's different. Um, I know you and I, we only overlapped really on one. Um, Yeah, I think like one, maybe two, but then I didn't apply to one at the end. Exactly. Yeah. So everyone's different. I know this is funny, but going through sorority recruitment, they always said, trust the process. <laughs> and I think, <laughs> I think, you know, going through this process is kind of the same. Um, you know, there's no guarantee in the end, but if you try your hardest, you know, something good will most likely come out of it. So I think really trusting, trusting the process and trusting yourself and, you know, trusting your capabilities and, you know, what you have to offer is really what will get you through in the end. I love that. And I think that's such a great uplifting note to leave on because, um, yeah, as, as people who went through it, we definitely know the struggles. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people have a tendency to reach out just about questions about the organization or questions about what they can do to better themselves. And I think the bigger question that a lot of us avoid, like you said, is, you know, why am I doing this? And, and what is really pushing me to get through it? And um, yeah, what a great reminder to end on. So thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. And um, 
I can't wait to share this and hear people's feedback. I think your message was really great and something that a lot of people um, can relate to and learn from. So thank you so much. Thank you, Sam. And I hope you put my email in the bio or (laughs) the message under this podcast. So if anyone wants to reach out, I'm definitely available to go in depth um, if you have any questions. So thank you so much. Yeah, of course. And I'll definitely leave your contact info below.